Hello, welcome to our pad- podcast today. We have a really special treat today. Um, the interviewer is taking on the role of the interviewee. We have with us Araceli Lobato, mm-hmm. and she is our typical interviewer on the podcast. But today we'd like to have our podcast listeners get a chance to get to know her. <laughs> so I'm here. I'm Kara Viesca from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and I will be asking Araceli a few things about herself so we can get to know this this wonderful interviewer that's helping create this great content. So Araceli, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How is it that you, a woman from Spain, <laughs> are here in Nebraska working on the ICME project? So, okay. Um, yes, as you said, I'm from Spain. Actually, I'm, I'm from an island called Tenerife. And it's very curious because um, it's not inside of Spain, our island, obviously there are <laughs> islands so outside of Spain. So it's very curious because we are uh, closer to Africa than mm. to, to Europe or to Spain itself, like mainland. Interesting. So if you are interested in uh, locating my island, just Google it. Um, it's called Canary Islands. Um, it's, it's very funny because um, I'm curious, I, I will say, because my accent in Spanish is totally different from, although I'm a Spaniard, it's totally different from the people who live in mainland itself. Oh, interesting. So um, when maybe I'm, I'm telling this because when listeners are going to hear me speaking Spanish, so they are gonna th- maybe they are going to wonder, like, but she, this girl is not from <laughs> Spain. She doesn't have this posh quotation marks <laughs> Spanish accent, accent, Spanish yeah. accent. so uh, it's very interesting because my my accent is quite similar to Latin American mm. um, coming back to the original question <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm here because last year when I finished my master to be an English teacher in in Spain I when I finished, it was like okay now what 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 are gonna do with my life? So I just start to look for jobs and I apply for any scholarship that I found on Google. <laughs> <laughs> so I was very lucky. Um, one of the scholarship that I found it from my government. Um, um, it's called Argo, and one day I suddenly I got a job. Be- well, the thing is in Spain it's. It's, uh, we have a very rough time right now with the crisis. We are still recovering. There so aren't a lot of jobs for people your exactly. age, right? So, so a lot of students graduate and don't. And we don't have any jobs. Mm. So that was the reason, like, what am I going to do with my life? We don't have jobs. We mm. don't have so many things to do here. So mm-hmm. um, I was very lucky one day, and a school called me if I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher in English. So I was very excited. Like, actually, I asked the principal, like, is this is true are you calling me for a job and she started to laugh like yes this is true can you come (laughs) yeah yeah for sure (laughs) what time so i was working i was like two months in that school and i got an email from the scholarship and that they want me to be interviewed to a position in the spanish studies institute in nebraska in the united states it was like what what is this (laughs) like i have to read it like Three times, something like that. So um, my ex-boss, Jesus, he interviewed me and 
couples day they told me that um, I was um, the chosen one the chosen one and then I came to Nebraska for six months I was uh, living here collaborating with the Spanish Studies Institute that belongs to the um, Department of Education of Spain and also I was collaborating with the TLT department so when my internship ends it was like oh, I want to stay here because I was auditoring uh, some of some classes here. It was like, I want to be a student here. I, I want to stay. So luckily, uh, thanks to Stephanie Wessels and Teresa, they encouraged me to talk to Dr. Guy Training and, and ask him. So he told me, okay, you can apply for, for a master here and we'll figure it out something because I told him that I cannot afford study yeah, here it's because very expensive. it's very expensive yeah. and I cannot afford it like mm -hmm. I cannot ask my parents so much money and I actually I couldn't so he told me that so then you got it here <laughs> you came with this huge grant <laughs> and everything was meant to be <laughs> so what are you studying um doing the Malta pro Malta program um is to be a, a Spanish teacher here in in the United States Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. You'll be a wonderful teacher for many great kids. <laughs> I hope so. That's, that's, the, goal. <laughs> that's the goal, right? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're so glad you're here. We're really lucky that ICME offices are right next to the Spanish Studies Institute at the University mm -hmm. of Nebraska, so we get to work closely with them. Hi, I'm Cara Viesca from the International Consortium for Multilingual Excellence in Education Project, a project that is bringing you this podcast. It's a five-year, $2.7 million project funded by the Federal Department of Education's Office for English Language Acquisition. Through this project, we are offering fun, free, flexible, and engaging professional learning opportunities for professional learning communities of educators who want to learn more about working with multilingual students. We have over 30 e-workshops available and are continuously designing more. Our e-workshops are innovative, multimedia, online resources that allow for groups of educators to collaborate around important topics related to the education of multilingual students through practice-embedded and inquiry-oriented approaches. To see if our e-workshops might be right for you or educators you work with, please visit our website. We're on the College of Education and Human Sciences website at University of Nebraska-Lincoln. So it's cehs.unl.edu backslash I-C-M-E-E. Thanks so much and enjoy. So um, I'd love to know more about your experiences learning English. Like how did you get to the point where you were becoming an English teacher, feeling mm -hmm. confident enough you know, to study in English. How did you learn English? It's very funny because when I finished high school, I want to. I wanted to be a vet. I wanted hmm. to look after animals. So in Spain, we have uh, we have to do an exam before we go to college. So in my year, uh, the government changed the law. They changed everything. They changed the score, the way to do the exam. So my oh, professors, wow. my teachers. They didn't know anything about the new exams and the scores. It was a mess. Oh, no. So um, we need a uh, certain score to be able to go inside to to the bachelor that we want to do. So with my GPA, I just, I, I couldn't 
I couldn't um, go inside. No, like, like I couldn't become a vet because I need like um, nine point zero zero points, and I got eight point ninety two something mm. like that. It mm. was just few scores, so I couldn't go to the vet faculty. So it was okay. What I wanna do with my life? So I thought, okay, maybe I like English, I like traveling, I like literature. So I did a um, um, bachelor in English studies. So when I finish, I have to do a practicum and I, I didn't like translations. I hate it. Mm. <laughs> so it was like, okay, let's try to maybe education. And, and I always love kids and be around them. And I was always um, doing private tutoring. So I did my practicum and I love it. Mm. I love to teach and the fact, or the fact of help people to understand things. Mm -hmm. So actually, when I finished my my bachelor, I wanted to be um, a Spanish teacher. So Spanish as a second language. But in my island, we don't have that bachelor, so I have to apply for another uh. university. And it should be go to mainland. That is very expensive too. So. I just got, um, I, the second option was to become English teacher. So I thought, okay, I can become an English teacher and then I can do the, the Spanish one. Um, and I forget the, the question. Well, so how did, how did you become so proficient in English, just from taking courses? Oh, yeah, uh, my English. So, yeah, and my bachelor, <laughs> <laughs> I, it was all, uh, everything was in English. Oh, wow. So, yeah, my English was so poor at that time. Like, I remember my first classes almost crying because <laughs> <laughs> because my mates uh, all of them or most of them they were um they have uh, studied in in a, um, in a school in a private school uh, bilingual school so mm. their parents are from england or or their parents are english teachers so they since they were little they knew english and then I was there with my English from uh, from high school. Oh wow! So it was a challenge. Mm -hmm. It was a challenge, and it's very curious because I finish and I'm here, and they <laughs> didn't finish, and they are working in lower positions. Oh wow! So it's very curious. Like mm -hmm. they that I thought that that they were they have like a great advantage, mm -hmm. and I didn't. Well, and it's not surprising to me because I know what a hard worker you are. <laughs> 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 so I don't know about them, but Arta, a few people can outwork Artiselli. <laughs> so my English basically was um, uh, reading. Yes, I read a lot of books in, mm. in college and thanks to TV shows, music and movies. I Thank think, goodness for yeah. the media. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Because I didn't have the opportunity to go to an academy or something like mm. that. M some of my mates, they, they went to an academy when when they were little mm. because in Spain although since we are little we have foreign language classes we have English and French mostly it's um when I was little my teacher didn't uh, speak to me in English or or in the target language at all and it was always grammar and grammar mm. and then grammar mm. so basically so my you don't English, really develop communication yeah. skills no not I at see all. Mm -hmm. so basically my English started to improve TV shows and then when I got here it was better mm -hmm. so what is it like you know I think a lot of us working with bilingual students and mm -hmm. studying and thinking about bilingualism and teaching and learning in classrooms where there's bilingual students really um, not all of us have had the experience of 
being a student in a language that isn't our dominant mm-hmm. language. So I wonder, because you've had so many experiences with that, what, what do you think teachers should know or what do you think is important for teachers to remember when they're working with kids in that context? They have to put on the shoes of the person. Mm. I don't know if it's the proper way to say that expression, but just to uh, empathize. Empath- emp- Empathize. Empathize. <laughs> Empathize uh, with the student. Like it's it's not easy to mm. to read or present in a language that is not your first one. Um, my experience is like those professors that I have that they know how to speak another language. They are very flexible with me and mm. flexible in the sense that they take into account that. It's not my first language. I'm not saying that they are they are grading me better because of um, I'm an international student, something like that. Not mm-hmm. at all. They just are dark compassion. I don't know how mm-hmm. which word to use, but they understand me. Mm-hmm. Like they they know how hard it is to present in another country that is not yours in a language that is not your first language. So they know how to how difficult it, it mm-hmm. is. So for me, it's like. For a native person who can uh, read a book in <laughs> in two hours, uh, for me it t- took me like four or five hours. Yeah, that book. it's gonna so take it's at least twice as long. Right? So I will say that for teachers that have um, students that are international, they just they are bilingual. Um, just take into account that uh, they are their learning process is different. Mm. Um, they need a little bit more um, time or ad- even a different approach to learn things. Mm-hmm. Um, always take into account that it's maybe from another culture, it come from another culture, or um, try to be respectful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's like... Yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying is really important stuff for us all to remember, you know, considering the different cultural backgrounds that students have and the realities of language development and how difficult it is and really developing some compassion and empathy to work with students around that. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with our (laughs) podcast audience about yourself? I just invited everybody to hear us because we are going to have a lot of um, interesting uh, interviewees and hopefully around the world. So yeah, I just invited them to join us and hope you like it. For sure. <laughs> and definitely if you have a recommendation of someone you think we should talk to, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Yeah, for sure. Because they could always let us know if there's someone that they think we should talk to. Maybe a great teacher, maybe a really interesting student, mm-hmm. maybe some families researchers, scholars, you know, we're interested in anyone who can share really useful perspectives on bilingualism and teaching and learning. Exactly. We know a lot of cool people, so there's (laughs) definitely more great podcasts to come, but um, we're really open to suggestions that listeners might have. Yeah, we invite everybody to to give us some some suggestions. Yeah. Thank you so much, Adeseli. I so appreciate your work on this podcast. You're doing a great job. (laughs) I'm really grateful to be here. I'm lucky. I feel feel very lucky. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Gracias. Gracias.